the simplest commercial baking resource. Brought to you by Bakerpedia and hosted by Lynn Carson with a PhD in grain sciences. Sharing knowledge and helping you grow connections. Listening to the Baked in Science podcast. Welcome to Baked in Science. I am your host, Lynn Carson, CEO of Bakerpedia, the world's largest online depository of technical baking information. Today, I will be interviewing Doug Peckinpah from Snack Food and Wholesale Bakery and Daniel Stoops co-founder of Grassworks. We will be discussing the cannabis edibles industry. Before we start, this episode is made possible by ECD, the makers of The Mole and Smart Dry. Their sponsorship of this growth hacking seminar on cannabis edibles makes it possible for us to offer up this seminar. Sign up to learn how to bake with cannabis today at bakerpedia.com dot com forward slash academy. That's A-C-A-D-E-M-Y. Today we have Doug Peckinpah from Snack Food and Wholesale Bakery, and you are the group director. We previously talked about cannabis edibles, and the reason why I have you on today is because I have more questions on that particular industry niche. So let's start with why you're involved, and what do you predict this particular cannabis edibles trend? Where is it going? Okay, sure. So the main reason that my group sought to get involved within this market is Snack Food and Wholesale Bakery is part of a larger food and beverage and packaging group within BNP Media. And within that group, we provide business and product development intelligence and information for almost every aspect of the food and beverage industry. As a result, we have significant experience and a lot of staff members who have decades of experience in providing product development, ingredients, equipment, packaging, information for regular food and beverages. Well, we saw the cannabis market emerging and we also saw and heard that there were a lot of problems within that market regarding quality control regarding safety with the lack of information that would normally be kind of commonplace within food and beverage as we had known it to that date. There wasn't really anybody who was providing guidance. That's my experience too. And I'm just finding that out on how, what a wild west show it is out there. And that's why I really need to sit and talk with you on understanding this piece because we're pulling a course together on cannabis edibles and trying to teach people, train people how to do it properly. Mm -hmm. What is the first step that you would advise anyone who is interested in this niche? What's the first step? Well, if you're an established food and beverage company looking to expand into cannabis edibles and beverages, you already have kind of a background for how to approach product development from a quality control perspective in getting the same quality product over and over off of your production. But you would need some guidance in terms of what's the supply chain market like? What are the ingredients that are available, which are recommended for a still beverage, which are recommended for a carbonated beverage? What about interaction with other potential botanical compounds? And there's where it gets a little tricky, where it gets a little bit specific to the cannabis market. And at the same time, there's a barrier to entry in terms of 
well, what is legally permitted at this stage in the game? Because we have a federal government that has one perspective and then states which have their own individual perspectives. Right. And then you open it up even further by saying, well, what if I just want to work with CBD? And CBD is a cannabinoid that is non-psychoactive. It's basically a healthy food ingredient. You can extract it from hemp. And now that the Farm Bill permits growing of industrial hemp in all states in the United States, the market is going to open up significantly for that product. And there's also the potential that it could be legal to distribute such products with CBD nationwide. So in your opinion, do you think that particular CBD piece is going to drive the growth in this industry? We're seeing growth from many different angles within this market. Of course, it's very lucrative at this stage because there are a lot of young companies that are growing very quickly. Yeah. However, the CBD aspect has a national and even international scope. So as a result of that, yes, there's a wider range of mainstream appeal for CBD. And one, because it doesn't give you a buzz like the THC would. So CBD is non-psychoactive. It's just a healthy ingredient and you can extract it from industrial hemp, which will be grown in so many different states now. So it's still not 100% legal. There's still a few tricky little spots where local and state and federal law is not aligning in terms of CBD even. However, that's not stopping people from a significant level of product development. Right. So from the product development angle, which I'm interested in, has there been any studies or universities in terms of research on the effect of CBD in edibles? There has been a very promising level of early research. The problem with cannabis is that it was scheduled in such a way at the federal level that you could not conduct medical research on it very easily. The short story is there's a limited amount of research. At the same time, the National Academy of Sciences has come forth and said that there are some significant health opportunities that already with the limited studies that have been conducted that show very promising results for cannabis in general in the health and wellness and even getting into dealing with specific medical treatments related to cancer and, and Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's and things that really have had some really challenging situations in terms of what you can and can't do to try and help those people. Right. So basically no research whatsoever on the baking aspect of CBD. Well, if you're talking about using a body of research that would be related to CBD specifically in different baked good formats, I'm not aware of anything specific. I know that other countries have been doing a much greater level of research within this entire market. And I would be happy to try and dig up some research. If anybody wanted to contact me directly, I'd be happy to look into that. Right, Israel, right. for one country, has been a leader in terms of cannabis health and wellness and medical research. So there are countries out there that are getting into the research. And the United States will definitely catch up as soon as there's a clear-cut pathway toward conducting a wide body of research in this area. So it's lacking there. It is. Yeah. That area is lacking. It's just promising to begin with. And of course, everybody wants to jump into the game as quickly as they can, yeah. even without this research. But the fact that the National Academy of Sciences has gone on record with a list of different health conditions that uh, cannabis can be used with strong and moderate levels of competence is a great step in the right direction. So in terms of regulation, what I just recently found out was it takes about 18 months to get a license to produce 
THC products in Oregon. Do you see that as a barrier to entry in the other states? Well, it depends on what aspect of the market that you're trying to work within. And it also is going to vary state by state. So Oregon has a somewhat mature market. They have a few years of regulation in terms of the medical and the recreational aspects of the market. And in a short nutshell, it depends. It depends on where you are. It depends on if you want to purely be in a manufacturing mode. It depends on if you want to be processing your own ingredients. It depends on if you're connected to growing at all. It depends if you're connected to retailing. So there are different licenses that are required for different aspects of the business. And I'd be happy to refer people to specific state bodies that can help with that kind of thing. However, our focus within our group and within our publication, Cannabis Products, which we launched in November 2018. Oh, yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, that focuses purely on product development. So we are the first publication that is dedicated exclusively to professional level product development for legal cannabis, edibles, and beverages. So we are taking our expertise that we've applied to various verticals within the traditional food industry and are now helping out both mom and pop type operators. And to call them mom and pop sometimes is a bit ridiculous because these are multi-million dollar companies. I mean, but they often don't have the depth of experience that they need in order to professionalize their products, to make sure that they're standardized, that they're safe, they're producing them in a safe, repeatable way that they have all of their I's dotted and their T's crossed in terms of what FDA might be looking for if and when we get to that point when FDA will be overseeing some of the aspects of this market. So we're trying to bring a confidence for those people to compete in the market in a more regulated and structured fashion. And also we're providing intelligence and information for established food and beverage companies who are working in the mainstream market, but might have an interest in establishing a company to get involved within legal cannabis products as well. What do you feel is the biggest challenge in this industry right now? Right now, by far, one of the biggest challenges is establishing a confident and steady supply chain. So even just within the last year, year and a half, where I've been researching this market, we've seen significant steps in the right direction in terms of better ingredients, ingredients and ingredient suppliers that you can trust that are doing a very professional job with their work in extraction and isolation of different cannabinoid ingredients and getting to the point where we have different ingredients that are well-suited toward different types of products, whether it's a beverage or a baked good or a confection and so forth. So the situation is getting better. And at the same time, there also is an equipment barrier. So often you'll see these companies are sitting in a space where they want to be a little bit bigger than what they can achieve with kind of a lab. If you think about a pilot plant, Mm -hmm. a lot of the equipment that goes into a pilot plant for testing products is about right for some of these companies. Some of them want to grow a little bit bigger though, but they're not at the point where they want to install, for instance, a fully automated bar line or a fully automated cookie line, something like that. It's too much for them. So there's a sweet spot in the middle. And I think a great opportunity for equipment manufacturers who would like to work with these companies to try and figure out what they need in terms of their output and what some of the unique challenges are in, say, ingredient dispersion 
nutrition and trying to make sure that you're creating an efficacious and a very repeatable and strong quality product. So there's a great opportunity there. So the packaging aspect is also a bit challenging. There are a number of packaging companies that have traditionally worked within childproof and safe packaging, but we need more. There is definitely a growth space that's presenting itself within the packaging to have safe and frankly, attractive packaging. We don't want to get into a situation. We want to learn from the mistakes of regular food and beverages. And of course, the mistakes of Amazon, where we have too many layers of packaging that are going on. But we also want to have strong branding for these products. So the combination of safe packaging that also presents an opportunity for strong, sophisticated branding. Again, it's a great opportunity there. Well, thank you for sharing that with me, Doug. Sure. My pleasure. This episode is made possible by Lalaman. Lalaman's baker's yeast is available in commercial forms from cream yeast to instant dry yeast. Their sponsorship of this growth hacking seminar on cannabis edibles makes it possible for us to bring this seminar to you. Sign up to learn how to bake with cannabis today at bakerpedia.com forward slash academy. This episode is brought to you by Bakerpedia. Today, we have Daniel Stoops with us, and he is the founder of Dano Dan. Welcome, Daniel. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Thank you for coming on my show because I have so many questions to ask you about cannabis edibles. For those of us that don't know a single thing about this industry, where do you suggest someone starts? That's a really good question. Let me make sure that I understand the question. Is it someone curious about finding an edible or learning about what's available? Learning about how to get into the business of baking edibles. So that's a complicated question. Well, first off, I've known so far, you can't just do it. You need to get some certification, right? Yes, very much. So if you want to make uh, cannabis edibles with THC, that is the cannabinoid and the chemical in cannabis that all the regulation is based upon. If an item has THC in the state of Oregon and all the other regulated states, you need a license. You need a facility that's been licensed Mm -hmm. um, and approved. Um, How easy is it to get that license? If we're talking about the state of Oregon, it's very difficult now. It's 18 to 24 months. Why? uh, Because there are a lot of licenses already. The marketplace Mm -hmm. is flooded. There's a lot of product and a lot of competition. And then secondly, the OLCC is low on budget and on staff to process those applications. OLCC. 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 Oregon Liquor Control Commission oh, okay. uh, is in charge of liquor and has been, you know, since the end of prohibition, I suppose. They also have the ball on cannabis regulation in the state of Oregon. That's how we legalize. So that's where the bottleneck is. That is where the bottleneck is very much. They're on public record for 18 to 24 months to even look at a newly submitted application. And most predictions say that they will issue a new estimate where really not an estimate saying we're not sure actually when we can get to new applications. Wow. We, we don't know when we'll be issuing new licenses. So if I had an idea, I can't just come in and... At this point, no. Bang. Okay, At so this point, no. I have to hold on to my idea and just cross my fingers. Or find someone who has a licensed facility, a licensed okay, and, and facility. And yep, okay. come in at collab, co-manufacturer, white label. Find some way to get your product into the marketplace with someone else's facility. Wow, that's really limiting. That's actually not a terribly tall order at this point. That's happening more and more given the fact that there's this lost ability to get a license so easily. Tell 
me a recent ruling that is really pushing the cannabis edibles industry forward. I'm not sure it's a ruling so much as it's the farm bill and not related to THC products, related to hemp, which is the source that we derive CBD from. Uh And the farm bill of 2018 passed. It legalized industrial hemp, which is what we call cannabis that doesn't have very much THC in it. It's the same plant. Everyone should probably understand that. We just call it two different things based on THC content and CBD content. So everybody's riding that wave. Everyone is appreciating that the bill passed and it removed hemp from the controlled substances. Schedule one list. Okay. You know, it's no longer on a list with heroin and cocaine and cannabis still at this point at the federal level. It's schedule five, if I'm not mistaken. It legalizes hemp-derived CBD. It instructs the U.S. Department of Agriculture to regulate hemp. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are taking a year to come up with rules on how to do that, how it's grown, what happens when a crop is what we call hot meaning it's testing for more than the allowed THC content by weight. The FDA is charged with regulating CBD. Is it allowed in dietary supplements? Is it allowed in nutritional supplements? Is it allowed in food and beverages? Right now, it's not. So there is some enforcement in New York City, for example. There are some efforts by the Department of Health, if I'm not mistaken, to go into some low-hanging fruit, bakeries, cafes, places like this that are adding CBD into various items on their menu. But to produce those items, say like a muffin baked with CBD, you don't need to be producing that at a OLCC certified. No. Okay. No. You, Just you, any kitchen. CBD, right? yeah, hemp derived, using industrial hemp. And CBD only can be in a facility that just needs a certification as a certified kitchen. We're talking about here in Oregon, Department of Ag certification for a kitchen. But with anything you bake with THC needs to be certified OLCC. Correct. You need your OLCC license, which is very hard to get right now. Right. So, Daniel, tell our listeners, what do you do here at Dan O'Dan? So, my daily tasks or... The company. Okay, the the company. We got founded on two products, an infused caramel. We make can of butter, meaning we put cannabis with THC. It all started in the THC side of things, OLCC side of things. We make can of butter. We put cannabis into a pot with butter and water, Mm -hmm. and we run a process using heat. And the cannabinoids and a bunch of other stuff from the plant moves into the butter. You strain and filter the botanical out of the butter set. You put it in the refrigerator and you've got solidified butter that you can weigh out in appropriate blocks. And we make our caramel batches from those blocks. The other product is a glycerin tincture. And we take industrial hemp or cannabis, throw it in a vat with organic vegetable glycerin. We run our process, heat and cool, and filter and strain out the botanical. And you're left with this beautiful infused glycerin tincture. Water-soluble beautiful flavor, just a very, very pleasant product, both for CBD and for THC. Why do you do this? What, dri- what, dri- what, dri- what drives me? Yes. Um, I've been a very responsible cannabis consumer really since my young adult years. And after college, I returned to Portland and was a regular consumer at night, relaxing, mm-hmm. and just found it to be a very helpful thing. I've enjoyed cannabis for a long time and I'm a supporter of it. It does a lot of different things for different people. And I've moderated use, I find it to be incredibly safe, and that's an argument I'll make again and again. And so I just think that it's a very useful plant for a lot of people. And the other thing is that it's, let's be honest, it's being used and has been used by so many people criminally, you know, right. because we've had these laws, the demand has always been there. The usefulness of cannabis, if anything is clear, it's that. And so, so what is this argument that cannabis is the gateway drug? 
I would say that any mind-altering substance should get that accusation as well. Like alcohol. Alcohol, right. most definitely. Tobacco, by and large. That's true. Uh, kratom and kava. You know, let's be clear that there are all kinds of plant medicines that help us feel certain ways. But what makes marijuana cannabis different? In terms of safety or in terms of... Yeah, I guess in terms of safety. In terms of safety. And, well, first of all, you can't die from it directly. I suppose you could be under the influence. You can have alcohol intoxication. You, you could drink right? a bottle. Can you have of, you could drink a bottle marijuana of, intoxication? You very much can, but you will not die. And you can very much die on alcohol. If any of us decide to drink a fifth of alcohol fast enough, maybe two-fifths, enough alcohol, I should say, fast enough, it is very easy to die. It happens yearly. You know, let's be honest. People die from alcohol poisoning each year, a certain number. There has not been a single death attributed to the ingestion, inhalation of cannabis. So why is this such a bad rap? Why isn't this just legalized throughout the U.S. if it's such a not harmful drug? Cannabis threatens a lot of financial interests. Like it, what? Well, I mean, when it was prohibited, it certainly threatens paper interests. It certainly threatened DuPont, who was trying to get nylon, you know, and polyester to be the fabric of note. It is a very versatile item, and it threatens a lot of interests. The other thing about its prohibition in 1937 is if we look at the prohibition of substances through the history of the United States, the first drug that we prohibited was opium aimed at Chinese and Asian new citizens. The second drug to be prohibited was cocaine, aimed at the African-American population. And the third drug prohibited, cannabis, called marijuana, of course, and we can talk about why that term was created, but that was aimed at Hispanic and Latino populations. And so you have each substance that's prohibited connected very clearly to a race or a set of people that are deemed a threat by the power structure. There's a beautiful movie called The House I Live In that goes through all of this in a very sensible and intellectual uh, way. I recommend that everyone see it. It's on Netflix. Now, the products that you do produce here, how does that benefit anyone? Cannabis benefits people in so many different ways. But THC and CBD, the plant itself, when it's ingested or inhaled, does everything from relaxing someone with anxiety to stopping seizures to helping with inflammation. We're learning so much about it. And so inflammation is such a classic symptom for so many disorders. So how does it, I know you're not a physician, and I'm but not, how and does I'm it not. affect inflammation? I'm not a scientist, so I can't go is through it, the chemistry. It, does it work the same as ibuprofen or? That's a great question. You know, it works on the body in a way that inflammation is very reduced, inhaling or otherwise. So is consuming more powerful than inhaling? Technically, yes. The absorption rate when we eat cannabis is more complete. We absorb much more of the item. The absorption rate in uh, smoking flour, in smoking a cannabis cigarette, or using a pipe or a bong is, is around 50 and 60 percent. Absorption rate eating is, you know, 70 to 80 wow. to 90%. That's a huge jump. It's a big jump. Uh, wow. Vaporizing is also 80, 90%. Okay. Still inhaled, but the vaporizing apparatuses have a very high absorption rate into the lungs. What are the top products that you sell here? You know, we still sell the caramels, less so. We're really focused on the glycerin tinctures, and we have three potencies. We have what we call the base glycerin tincture. It is the product that comes out of the process. It is simply the hemp that went in and the organic vegetable glycerin that came out, or the cannabis that went in and the organic vegetable glycerin that it infused into. It's two ingredients. On the OLCC side, we have, of course, cannabis with THC. Mm -hmm. So the product, the glycerin tincture, has THC in it. On the What would people use a tincture for? 
Uh, for Is it the, direct? Yeah, a tincture. Okay. Um, Do you usually put it into drinks or? You can. So okay. technically, the true definition of tincture is that the alcohol is the solvent. That's the oldest classic definition of tincture that typically defines the use of alcohol if it's going to be a tincture. So we have tonics. You know, other words are used for using plant-based oils. If you want to be technical, we're really at this point calling any liquid infused with cannabis or hemp. A tincture. Oh, Plant-based okay. oil can also be infused really nicely. We're calling those tinctures. So it's a liquid and it's a controllable dose. It's clean. It's a bottle that can go in a bag or a purse. It's discreet. You could be sitting in a cafe and having a coffee and would you like a little bit of CBD? You take it out of your purse or your bag and put a little dollop in there and no one's going to know. Discretion is at this moment in time, as we move through this transition from illegal and moving away from the stigma, mm-hmm. there's a desire for discretion. And that's tinct- true. That's and, still... And tinctures that, off yeah, of that. That's right. So say if I was a baker and I want to bake with this, a tincture is so hard to apply. Do you have it in other forms, powders? Or- we do not. So let me go through the inputs, as it were, for hemp slash cannabis. You, know, you can get it into, into plant-based fats, right? You can yeah. get it into butter, mm-hmm. avocado oil, olive oil, grapeseed oil, hemp seed oil, any fat you can infuse into. That's one way. You can infuse into alcohol. That's another way. You can extract using CO2 and pressure. That will produce an oil. You can extract using butane. Butane extraction has been around for a long time in the citrus world in particular. You know, orange-flavored and lime-flavored flavorings have been derived from butane for a long time. Mm -hmm. So there's a number of ways to create extracts. Alcohol, of course, is very prevalent these days. CO2 is very prevalent these days. Those are probably the two most common extraction solvents that we have right now. How about crystalline form? In crystalline form is isolate. So you do ethanol or CO2 extraction, and you take that, what we call a crude format, after the initial extraction, and you can post-process to what we call distillate, which has some spectrum. Some people want to call it full. That's probably not entirely true, but it's more full spectrum than isolate. And so... From crude, you can go to distillate, and you can go even further to isolate. Okay. A crystalline, completely isolated form, CBD molecule only, 99.9% pure is how it's sold. That sounds expensive. And it, it, <laughs> it is expensive. Our, you know, our prices vary from state to state. Our last price check on isolate was around six to $7,000 a kilo. Wow. How much of that do you have to use to even get a 10 milligram kind of reaction? So 99% pure, I'd have to work the math out. That's 999,000 milligrams Mm -hmm. of CBD in a kilo, if I'm not mistaken. The math is pretty easy if you've got 10 milligram servings. Yeah. Is 10 where you feel something? That's really low. Five and 10 seem seem to be these classic places. It is low, but I'll say that the cannabinoids are very powerful and highly effective at lower doses. A lot of people need three and four milligrams of THC to be just fine. Some people even find that to be too much. And the other thing we know about cannabis is that tolerance is very much a real thing. The more you use, the more your tolerance goes up. Tell me a little bit more about that because you did mention microdosing. Tell me a little bit more about microdosing. What is it and how do you do it? Absolutely. Microdosing has probably been around for a long time in the cannabis world and hemp world. It's enjoying more and more discussion, it seems to me, and trial by customers. What we're learning, especially about edible cannabis, is that you don't need very much. And one, two, and three milligrams of CBD and THC, or both together, are very adequate, especially for daytime use and for people with busy lives wanting to remain in control. 
that's what we call moderated use. And we have the sense that cannabis users are not moderated. That's a stereotype. And as the market grows and as the stigma drops off, we're going to find a lot more people really enjoying one to five milligrams of either cannabinoid. Interesting. Now, are the isolates, are those easily obtained um, or are they just not available? I would suggest that it's a complicated process. It's an industrial process. Harsh solvents are used. I'll argue probably that it's a substance that should be regulated given the purity requirements and the way that it's made. Is it not regulated right now? I mean, no, you're talking not, about CBD crystals. Yeah, yeah, isolate of CBD. I'm suggesting that there is not a very robust environmental regulatory framework. <laughs> oh, no, that makes me nervous. Yeah, I think it's okay. I think it's developing. It's going to develop. If I can make a prediction about isolate cannabinoids, CBD being, of course, the one of the day, is that the FDA will probably move to regulate isolate in a pretty significant way. When do you think that's going to happen? I think over the next year, we're going to start to see some movement. From FDA? From the FDA, yeah. Okay, yep. what's going to... So the market is really demanding stability and rules. Okay, some kind of yeah, guidelines. Yeah, that's what makes markets run, right? When we understand the rules and they're stable. It's what makes this industry so difficult right now. We're on a roller coaster of this is legal, no, it's not anymore. Or isolate all of a sudden is issued to be a drug award by the FDA. And it creates a whole set of issues for food makers and others that have been using it. We're going forward and backwards at the same time. And the other way to say it is we're hitting the gas and hitting the brake at the same time. It's not a stable industry. It's not for the faint of heart. Right. It um, sounds really risky to me. And certainly it is. The rewards yeah. are big. We're starting to get some real revenue going and some stability. And others are too. I was just going to ask you, right? What is the most difficult challenge in your journey in trying to launch this business? You obviously are three-person big business, you know, startup. We're just a startup, yeah. You know, Hardly any resources. Right. Yeah. We, we, raised, we, raised, we raised money, obviously, for this facility. Uh -huh. You know, most of the money has gone into facility and salaries and which is not uncommon i don't suppose mm -hmm. we would love to have more marketing dollars and that's on the way more sales you know forest dollars and that's on the way it just takes time any startup has to generate revenue in somewhat mundane ways to get the nice bells and whistles that marketing can bring what is the biggest pushback on your products in so the, market? the two most difficult things regulation unstable regulation and the rule changing i'll say that and in the OLCC market, where we products with THC, there are so many rules that make the sale a very difficult thing. We can't mm -hmm. ship any samples. We have to personally deliver them. Interesting. So that's a lot of driving cars, physically delivering a sample. You don't know if they're going to like it or not. Imagine sampling a product, any other product in the country, honestly, you can just put it in the mail. Not so. You not, can't even Uber it? You cannot Uber it. That's a, that's a funny question. I, <laughs> that's funny. Um, you know, and so you have all of this, you know, real man hour, these man hours, they're really precious and mm -hmm. it's a grind. You've got to visit every store physically. You've got to get an appointment to even go there. You can't wow. just put 20 samples in your car and say, I'm going to hit these 20 shops today. Just blind, cold call, not allowed. Wow. So uh, that's bringing selling to a whole isn't different it? level. Isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not like, Oh, Joe, I, I want to talk to you about our product. I'm going to send you a sample tomorrow. Like, <laughs> No, I've got to get in the car and I've got to go, you know, and if he's in Salem or maybe he's in Ashland or maybe he's in Bend, Oregon, you know, yeah. so all these efforts, the sales effort, the sales cycle, as we call it, is pretty arduous in the OLCC. Yeah, that's where your barrier to entry is, right? That's a bit, that's, that's, <laughs> you, you, need, you, need, you need significant money uh, right. and time to, to put a real sales effort together in the OLCC regulated framework. On the hemp side, it's a standard industry. We can ship samples to anywhere, really, anywhere. you know. Yeah. Uh, 
It's that simple. We get a shop in Milwaukee, for example, that we're trying to get into. I shipped two samples and call them up. How did you like them? Great. You know, I actually think we're going to place an order, Dan. It's just that simple. So in order to support your business, you really need to do both. No, no? I, I would disagree. I, I, we went for both. This is an anecdote about our company. I started in before October of 16, it was just the medical framework in the state okay. of Oregon. And that's where I started. I made the product in my basement. It was caramels only and did that for two years, two and a half years. And then we legalize cannabis and we set up rules and those rules start to come into effect in October of 16. You need to be in a facility, you need to be licensed. And so I tried to put all that together and it took me a year and a half after the rule change. After the fall of 16, I needed another year and a half. Brandon, my business partner and I, to get the facility open and to get our first inventories out. And we did, we chased both CBD and OLCC regulated markets. That created a set of issues. It was not that easy given our resources. We're having to solve as we go. It's definitely created some difficulties. In hindsight, one could argue that we should have just gone with CBD, a CBD product only. Easier. Easier by a long shot. My heart is in THC. I think it's a really valuable cannabinoid, as do a ton of folks. Obviously, I'm not alone there. And the inertia of my path was to see if we could succeed in that market. And we're still trying, of course, but it is far more difficult than CBD hemp only. So back to my question, what is the biggest pushback you've had on this THC journey? If we hear one thing about our product, it's probably flavor. And it's not that significant. Yeah. I would put it at maybe 10 to 15% of the time. Yeah. If 10 people have samples, one to two to three are going to say, I'm not sure about the flavor. By and large, though, the lowest dose that we make, what we call the standard tincture juice, there's a flavor profile that's really intriguing to folks. And so by and large, we win there. But there's some pushback. I had two people in Kentucky. We're trying to get into a couple of stores in Kentucky this week. And both shops decided that the flavor was not appropriate. You know, so do you have to drive to Kentucky? No, no, no. <laughs> That's the beautiful thing about hemp CBD. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. You're talking about CBD. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there's some pushback on the flavor, but once people try our tincture, it is a very effective product. It is truly full spectrum, truly whole plant. There's so much more than CBD in cannabis and in hemp. That's our story. We're not going to be alone moving forward. A lot more focus is going to be on the rest of the plant in addition to CBD. That's our belief and that's where we want to see things go. It's a very effective plant. The more constituents you have along with the core CBD or THC cannabinoids, the better off you are. That's what the science says and that's what we say. That's what I feel anecdotally. That's what I feel in my experience. And again, the science supports that full spectrum is far better than isolated and distillated. Now, honestly, before I came to this facility, I didn't know what to expect. But when I walked in here, it is so clean and sanitized. Correct. Is that part of the certification or is just... That's part of being a business. certified kitchen facility, no matter what your product is. I it's mean, I can smell a little bit, but it's like... It doesn't smell like a, a processing facility. You right. know what I mean? Right, right, right. Wait, yeah. so there's How no do you manage to do that? Well, there's no dairy in here, first of all. There's no eggs being used here. You know, some of the things that would create a dish pit smell or otherwise, they're not ingredients in our products. And so, it's very dry, too. It's, there's yeah, we have a, no we have, yep. wet spots around here. Correct, yeah. yeah. we don't, And we don't have a lot of moisture. The, we wash a few dishes, obviously, but there's no water use. You know, we don't have a floor drain. Very clean. You know, yeah. we don't need to spray down in any part of our process. Smart. Just handy, just worked out that way. Yeah, but how come I can't find you from the outside? 
Oh, that's it. <laughs> why aren't why, any signs yeah, around? Yeah. <laughs> for, for our listeners, yeah, Lynn, Lynn is asking why there's no signs on our building. <laughs> and, and that's because it is a cannabis and hemp business. You know, it is an OLCC licensed facility, and there is a presumption of risk on our part. Cannabis businesses have been broken into at a higher rate. So you're not expecting foot traffic then? Oh, absolutely not. This is okay. a facility. There's no sales out of this. We certainly do some white labeling and production for folks that do come and pick up, but this is not an open to the public facility. Great. So let's wrap it up. I'm going to ask you, what's your vision for the future for this company? The vision for the future of this company is to really grow the tincture line, be in a ton more stores, Midwest, East Coast, the South. We want to push into all of those markets. The states where there's still a lot of prohibition on THC cannabis, yep. the CBD craze is alive and well. There are a lot of stores opening and a lot of demand for CBD-only products, and we're taking advantage of that right now. That's really exciting. It is. It is. And, and additionally, we have a whole white label and co-processing, co-manufacturing initiative underway. So anyone can come up to you and say, hey, you know, co-manufacture my product. Correct. Yep. Awesome. That's yep. great. Well, thanks for coming on today, Dan. Thank you very much, Lynn. I hope to see your products everywhere. For sure. Soon. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Bakerpedia. Sign up for our Cannabis Growth Hacking Seminar today with featured industry leaders and subject matter experts on the cannabis edibles industry. This is one technical session from Bakerpedia you don't want to miss. Buy your tickets for the Product Development Bootcamp and stay for the Cannabis Growth Hacking Seminar. Or join our live stream event at bakerpedia.com forward slash academy. Before I go, please like, comment, and subscribe to Baked in Science. Till the next episode, bakers. Don't get baked.